0: Just in case our name, Clit Talk, wasn't a disclaimer enough, we wanted to let you know that this podcast is intended for a mature audience only. So if you have any little ones in the room, now is the
1: time to maybe put some earmuffs on or escort them out. Today on Clit Talk, we take a deeper dive into tantric sex with expert Kamali Minter with an episode devoted to the practices for couples.
0: Pussy, pussy, it's gonna be a good one today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk, talking about a clit talk, clit talk, clit talk. Come on, girls and boys, and everyone on the gender rainbow, bring your pussies to the show. Welcome to Clit Talk. The Pleasure Positive Podcast, where badass women discuss everything from orgasms to gender harmony
1: to the health benefits of masturbation, the sex that you wish you got, and then some. Today we want to dive in and how the couples can take on a tantric practice together. And in the studio with us today, we have intimacy coach and tantra expert Kamali Mentor. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much for being back with us today. Yeah,
2: my pleasure. Thank you.
1: So we are really excited
0: to have Kamali in the studio. And I really wanted our listeners to get an idea of your story and how you really came into tantric practice from from a personal standpoint. Would you mind sharing a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So even though I tell people all the time that tantra is not just about sex, um, I am a love and intimacy coach. And how I ended up on that path um, is because I was having troubles in my intimate relationship at one point in time. Um, I was with a guy at at that time and we've been together for five years and we're, we had one of those like bestie friendships where we got along really well. We worked together really well, but when it came to sex and intimacy, we had very different languages in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. He was very into um, certain kinds of porn that I wasn't really into. Um, There was something that I wanted to experience sexually that I couldn't even really name. Like, I didn't even have language for it. I didn't know what to ask for. I just knew what wasn't working, you know. And um, one day, we went to this sex trade show uh, and stumbled across what became my first Tantra teacher. And I remember her standing up at the podium, and she started talking all about uh, masturbating. And how sexuality and spirituality could be intertwined and how you could masturbate actually to an awakened state, (laughs) something along those lines. And this was the first time I'd ever heard someone speak about sex in a way that was not like technique oriented or like biology or, you know, fix this problem or fix that problem. It was speaking to a part of me because I've always kind of been a spiritual seeker That was like, wait a second. Like, yeah, why have I left this part of my life on the shelf? Why isn't it part of my personal development and and growth and spiritual practices? So that got me hooked and I started practicing um, on my own at first, because, of course, my partner was like, I don't know, that's kind of weird, which is why I tell women all the time, don't wait for your partner, like, just do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, because I did. I did it on my own for a while um, at first, and then he jumped in and joined me in some private practice, and then we started doing workshops together. And it did it, it not only transformed our sex life and our connection with each other, but it started to transform me from like head to toe, inside out every aspect of my life to the point where over the course of about three or four years of studying as a student, my life completely changed. I went from being in that relationship and you know living together and being engaged and all this stuff to like that all blowing up, leaving that relationship, leaving my career as a filmmaker um, traveling the world for a year and a half, <laughs> studying to become a Tantra teacher and then beginning to teach this work so and I tell that to people all the time it's like sex is literally like a little window into a larger, Thing in your life that wants to shift so whatever you're experiencing in the bedroom that's not working is actually a clue to a bigger piece wow. and if you start to address that in a real sincere devoted way everything changes wow
0: mm. yes. brilliant. brilliant so kamali what are the benefits of two people practicing tantra together
1: mm.
2: well i mean and here's the interesting thing because any two people could practice Tantra together and end up having a more intimate connection, regardless of whether you're in an intimate relationship or not. That's the benefit of the practice. Um, but the benefit of an, a couple in a romantic or an intimate relationship, practicing tantra together, um, I would say has to do with one of the core philosophies of Tantra, which has to do with coming to acknowledge, um, revere the divine. Inside of the human that you're engaging with, and this is the thing that gets lost in romantic relationship real quick <laughs> when um, when we start to get down to the day to day living of relationship. So, what I've found in my own personal relationship, because my me and my partner do practice together, um, he's a tantric practitioner, is that <laughs> we very frequently, when he's not in asana or a is a, a, a Sanskrit term for committed daily practice, um, or I'm not in one, if we're just two normal people doing our lives together, we get into more snares and conflicts and on each other's nerves like so much quicker than when we're both in practice. Because when we're both in practice, we're on a daily basis, turning our energy for a committed amount of time to um, sort of fleshing out the things that build up in our systems about ourselves and our partner that get us into those like really sticky places.
0: So I hear what I hear you saying is you you I actually have your own solo practice. So it yes. really is so tantra really is a solo practice. Yeah. And then there's just a benefit if both people each have solo practices in the relationship.
2: Yeah. We huh. actually have, do both. So we we both have our individual solo practice that we do on our own. And and then when we come together for lovemaking or for connection, we will bring in tantric practice to that as well. So there is like a daily practice that you have. Can you kind of share with us what what that looks like? Yeah, sure. Well, um, at this stage in, in our lives, um, we both have been studying classical tantra, which uh, I referenced in our before. Classical tantra works more directly with mantra and yantra. Um, it's very wordy. It's not what we would call sexy at all. There's nothing sexy about it. <laughs> um, but it's very deep. It works in, on very deep levels, working with the subtle body, working with the chakra systems to completely rewire things that you can't access or touch or shift in other ways. Um, but we also still have a neo-tantra practice, a modern tantra practice. And we incorporate a lot of that into our lovemaking sessions. It's what I, I teach a lot of. And that looks more like, like I was saying, um, the partner practices are kind of like if you've ever done partner yoga, you know, there are ways that the bodies will fit together and there's involve stretching and moving and synchronized breath. Um, also involve things like eye gazing and um, certain kinds of touch. And yeah, we'll do practices in that realm as well.
3: So How much time do you guys usually carve out to um, devote to each other in this way? And I ask because life gets busy. My husband's a CEO. I'm lucky if I can get like 30 to 45 minutes of his time in that way. Maybe on the weekends we could do like an hour and a half, but still. So on average, how long is a a lovemaking session for you both? It's a really good question.
2: (laughs) I mean, because the funny thing is when I work with couples, like the first thing that they want is like, we want better sex. That's what most people are like. We're here for the better sex. And I'm like, here's how much time you're going to need to devote to getting the better sex. Because the first thing is that most of us have our lives crammed way too full with stuff to actually properly take care of our intimate relationships. And that's just a fact. And, and not much can shift until we're willing to shift that piece. So I, you know, I. But that being said, I also understand there's things that have to be done, responsibilities that have to be met. Like we can't spend, you know, six hours <laughs> in practice and in lovemaking um, for most people on a weekly basis. So, although that would be great, that would be great. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Vacation tantra. Um, <laughs> but so I'm, I'm also a fan of quick and easy. Like I like to make it approachable. So what I usually will give couples, and I do it in my own life, is have a version of daily practice that's somewhere between 15 and 30 minutes, 15 and 30. And that's usually your own solo practice. It's something you're going to be doing with your body to help take out the garbage, to help take out that buildup I was talking about. So that when you do meet your partner or come to, whether that's a conversation or actual lovemaking, that you're coming with more presence, more space, more patience, Um, all those things that make lovemaking go way better. (laughs) Um, the other part is then I will recommend that they take at least an hour, preferably two once a week for a lovemaking session that always begins with some kind of intimate connection time before you move into lovemaking. And there's a specific formula that I'll give most couples where it involves a certain amount of partnered practice. And then you'll have a, a period of time where you'll give to each other specifically. So one person's just receiving and the other person's giving, and then you switch and then you have the option for lovemaking from there. But that You have to carve out at least that, like 10 to 30 minutes about daily um, and then about an hour to two hours once a week.
4: I had a boyfriend once that um, I finally talked him into, let's try this tantric thing. And it took like a Valentine's Day and a lot of effort and a lot of tit for tat, blah, blah, blah. And he was a great guy. So I'm not trying to make it sound like he wasn't, but we finally do it. Then he had a sunburn. And I slapped him on his ass. (laughs) I felt so bad because I finally got him to do it. Just wasn't even present to like the physicality that was going on with him. But it was just kind of like it took a lot to even get him interested.
5: Also, I'm curious why you were smacking him on
2: his ass during a tantric (laughs) practice. It was was something in the thing. I was going to say, it's a a misnomer that tantra is just soft and gentle. And yeah, tantra is not a specific kind of lovemaking. It's an approach to lovemaking that can end up going all kinds of places, including very intense animal type like. Sex, so yeah, and him and so, I were
4: exploratory, so it totally that makes sense. Yeah. I, yeah, I just felt so bad. But that's going back to my original question: yeah. How do you? It's a I don't very want to convince question. somebody, but like, yeah, no. How a, do you approach it? Thank you for possibly? saying it's not about
2: convincing, because a lot of women <laughs> <laughs> try to do that, and it's very common that a lot of the couples come because the woman is interested and the guys kind of like I don't know, like okay, maybe we'll just try this just to make you happy, you know. Um. And what I find is that at the end of the day, men want to have good sex, too. Like this is this is where the common ground is. Like they want connection. They want to make you happy even, you know, Um, and they want to be good lovers. There is an investment in that. The problem is a lot of guys aren't interested in some of the things that might feel a little hokier, you know, like maybe some of the breathing or some of the movement. And I'm very used to working with that kind of energy in a room and in a space. A lot of it has to do with the teacher um, and how you approach it. And what I will often when I'm counseling or I'm consulting with couples, what I'll often say is like, look, just give it a try, like try it on. Because the, if you are knowing that there's something happening in your relationship that's not quite working um, or it's not as good as you would like it to be, doing nothing is going to get you more of the same. So why not try something crazy and just see, like, I'm not going to say it's going to work for you, but maybe you'll receive something from it. You know that. So so a lot of people will will take it on as an experiment and then we'll start to have experiences that weren't expected that give them a little bit of incentive to to keep exploring. You know, it's
6: interesting. Um, I have no background or knowledge and really haven't researched tantric at all but I'm talking to a gentleman off of one of the dating apps right now who's very very accomplished in his professional world and he's taken the last maybe nine or ten years to really do some self-development so he'd explained to me that he had had a one-on-one lesson for about eight hours with a tantric expert and he's been practicing it so I asked him today before our episode you know what do you love about tant- tantric practice and what he said was and this is in text he says the Intimacy is off the charts, five exclamation points. And then he says, to say nothing of the multi-orgasmic experience.
2: Smiley face. Mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, here's the thing is that I find um, a lot of men, like what the world feels like for a lot of men moving through it is, is like far from sexy. Like they're in their like go mode a lot of the time, accomplishing things, getting things done, handling business, you know? woman becomes a reprieve from all of that. But it's a certain type of experience of woman that is a reprieve from all of that. And that is a woman who is receptive and a little softer and sensual and in her body and inviting. And most of us are also in man mode most of the day, getting shit done. <laughs> you know? So it's like we need a space, a, a time in our day where we can drop that man mode and we can become these inviting places that make it possible for our partners to be interested in those kinds of possible results.
3: Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you were sharing earlier about how you and your husband bicker, but when you're in practice, you guys fight way less or that sort of tension that can come up. well. Psh, psh. You're not even really mad at each other. It's just, it's just energy being expressed outward. It made me think maybe, um, maybe me and my partner should only engage when we're doing Tantra. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you go to work, come home, let's do Tantra. Okay, that's, that's a cool. much safer approach to things. <laughs> I imagine there's so much more in between all of that, but it just made me think how any practice, when we take the time to come together in a context, context of devotion, It's a lot different than when you come from the context of, I just had a hell of a day. Yeah. So I really hear that as couples, we can actually create a context with our partner of devotion and come from that.
2: Yeah. I mean, and the one other thing I want to add that's important since we're talking about couples in relationship is that like relationships aren't hard by accident, you know, it's not just like your coworker. Like this is the person that chances are you are attracted to because there are things that or so familiar about your family patterning, about how love is supposed to work, mm-hmm. that they are both going to make you feel at home and like you want to kill them simultaneously. And that's on purpose because relationship is our greatest teacher. It shows us the places where we've shut down to love or where how we're opening to connection or closing to connection in any given moment. And so when we're having those unquote, unquote, unenlightened moments with our partners where they're driving us insane, like, what we're really being asked to look at is what is that wound or what is that piece that they're kind of digging in at? And what do we need to give ourselves to start to address healing that part?
1: So you can actually use tantric practices to heal old wounds in the heart, in the mind and in the body. It's some of the best balm for that. And mm. is, that's the, the irony
2: is that like a lot of people come for the sex, but they stay for the healing. Mm-hmm. Because that's really the, it's something that you can receive from Tantra that is a little different than, you know, traditional sex education or sexological work. Um, there's healing that comes from that too. But so many of the layers of Tantra start to address um, our, the, our emotional makeup, you know, and how we are relating to our emotions and then how those, relation, those emotions are showing up in relationship with another person. Because that's actually what's shutting us down to good sex or opening. Like the real foundation of intimacy is how we deal with our emotions. I heard you just say sexological work. What's that? Sexological body work. It's, a, it's an area of sex, um, sex education, of um, sexual services, <laughs> sexual healing, sexual health, um, where you can get certified to basically teach about how the body works, how sex works, and these different things. And so some people are familiar with that in relationship to learning about sex. So I know I'm I'm definitely enrolled in the,
0: the healing aspect of Tantra. So I guess I have two questions. So for the women out there who are like, oh, my my partner is definitely not interested, do you have any advice? And also what I'm thinking is, does it make a difference in a relationship or for a person to just, if one person is just having like a solo practice, like can you as like the one half of your relationship take on a practice and would that make a difference for you and I guess all the relationships in your life?
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's a good question. And that is exactly what I would say is that um, as opposed to trying to force or push your partner, the best place to start is with yourself. I mean, I know it's hard because a lot of times I see this with myself and I see it with the women around me. It's so easy to look at your partner and go like, this needs to change this thing. If this thing right here would change, I would be so much different. However, <laughs> the the what we actually have control over is the ability to shift things within ourselves. And I've not only experienced it in my own relationships, but watched it with clients where if a woman takes up a solo practice and starts to actually learn how to drop some of the guards and things she's been using to protect or defend herself in her relationship, because we do a lot of that, um, then she's bringing a different energy to her partner. And that changes everything. I mean, it won't fix everything overnight, but it can start to make some shifts that actually allow for lovemaking where it's not happening. It can allow for communication where it's not happening. um, If we can show up differently, it's like a ripple effect.
1: So how do you recommend couples get started? Do they hire someone like you, like privately, or do we take a course? Are or? there books? Yeah, mm-hmm. all of the above. <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, I work with couples both privately. Um, I haven't done a workshop for couples yet, but also one of my teachers offers a lot of couples work. Um, Charu who, with Ambadi Tantra is another re- good resource for that. Um, but there's there's also courses as well um, out there. And as far as books, books are a good place, I find, to start to uh, kind of get an idea about approach. And there's several good books where there's actually practices that you can do at home. But I find with books is people kind of read things and be like, oh, I got that. But then they won't put it mm-hmm. into practice. But mm-hmm. right. if you don't actually put it into practice, you don't got it. <laughs> um, but there is a book called Tantric Orgasm for Women by Diana Richardson that I recommend a lot. Um, And even though it's called Tantric Orgasm for Women, there's partner practices in there that you can do with your partner. Um, There's really important information in there about sort of the energetic and biological makeup of a woman and how to approach arousal, um, which is important.
1: (laughs) And that actually leads to my next question because we talked about rhythm and pacing and how men and women's libidos just, um, it just takes longer for a woman to get turned on. So, how do you coach couples to balance that out?
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the things um, that is important to begin to understand about our sexuality is that you know there are things that inhibit arousal and there are things that help arousal, and women tend to, on a whole, have more things that can clamp down our arousal um, than men. Which no. is no, yeah. <laughs> I know. I mean, yeah it's not I mean, some of it just has to do with because we pick up amazing amounts of detail. So like our environments are constantly talking to us. If a room is dirty, if there are funny smells, if there are dishes in the sink, if you have to put the kids to bed, if I mean, like the list goes on. And a lot of women will be like, yeah, I have sex to make him happy, but I'm really just doing my to do list the Mm -hmm. whole time, you know? Um, and that's because what it takes for a woman to wind down out of that space, like I was talking about, like that go mode we, we get into, um, she needs time to leave that space and, and help often assistance leaving that space and things like sensual massage, which your partner can give to you. Like I teach a lot of sensual massage to couples because, you know, breast massage, full body massage, massage is a wonderful way to start both. Um, initiating that contact and that connection that's not specifically genital focused, but also beginning to turn on the arousal in the body at the same time. So central massage is really important. Kissing is incredibly important. People forget about that one. I love making out. Yeah, making out a good, right? (laughs) A good scalp massage, you know? Oh, Um, Oh, yeah. There's so many things. I mean, like, there's all kinds of stretching and things you can do because we do carry a lot of tension as well, which is one of the things that dampens arousal possibility or potential. When we're tense, we can't feel as much. Our bodies are more desensitized. So, things that involve massage or stretching, breathing that are going to help take out that tension, but also is time that you're spending with your partner or doing something together that could lead. Now, the other big thing I say with couples is have a couple of sessions where you're having intimate time, but you're taking having sex off the table. So for a lot of women, they would be willing to engage in being intimate with their partners if it didn't have to to lead to intercourse. And this is a big one because it's kind of controversial for a lot of guys because um, guys will be like, well, I don't want to start turning on that energy and not be able to like finish the job. Right. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And and what I say to them is like, well, would you be open to like still being able to have your ejaculation if you needed to, but it not having to come from intercourse? You know, like maybe it comes from a hand job. Maybe it comes from a blowjob. Maybe you get yourself off and your partner watches you, you know, like there's a lot of ways to still get what you need out of the experience. But I find for a lot of women, just taking that off the table, removes some kind of pressure that relaxes you enough to be able to get more into the experience as well. I thought...
0: <laughs> We're all so excited.
1: Ah, <laughs> they're really cute. Deciding who's gonna go. Those nice, ladies. Um, you
6: said uh, making sex a to do list, which sounds miserable, really. Well, I'm wondering if I do a tantric practice myself, and I'm not in a couple's relationship, but I couple up with people, and they may be a new lover. What can I sneak in in the beginning before we start anything to create the intimacy that leads to being able to practice myself while we're making love?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's a good question. I find um, new relationships to be a great place to practice a lot of different tantric things. One of them is speaking about fears and desires. And this is actually... um, What I was going to give as part of the couple's practice, um, there's so much that we are afraid to talk about around our sexuality. And particularly in the beginning of a relationship, we tend to be on good behavior and a little bit shy about what we'll reveal to people because we just want to be received really well. (laughs) Um, but it's, it's actually the perfect time to start to put onto the table. What are some of the fears or hangups you have around sex? And what are some of the desires, no matter how taboo that becomes a very hot conversation to have another really important one at the beginning of a relationship is to talk about boundaries. So, you know, we kind of assume like there's this whole thing that was happening with me too, about how men should just learn how to read women's cues. And I want to say, like, as great as that would be, you got to <laughs> give that one up, ladies. I'm sorry. Like, we are wired differently sensorily. Like, that kind of nuance is not just, it's not on the map for most men. So what we have to get really good at is being more vocal with our yeses and our noes. And I understand that we all have different histories and reasons why that's so challenging. And it's also why we need practice. We have to make it a practice, even if it's little, like small, like, you know what? I really um, am not into ice in my water. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, just. <laughs> I thought you were going to say in somewhere else. For, <laughs> for yeah, no, I'm not, not into putting ice in certain places or, or, or like if in a sexual context, you know, it's like, I, um, I really don't want you to put your hands down my pants, you know, until I, I say, okay, or ask, please ask permission before you put your hands down my pants.
4: But what I like about what you're putting in is you start in other areas of life, like you you might be uncomfortable asking the waiter for no water. Yes. And so then practice it there where yes. you're uncomfortable out in the real world and normal stuff to then be able to apply that to being uncomfortable and requesting things in the bedroom. Exactly. Because
2: what I say is that sex is supercharged. So no, whatever like we feel discomfort in, in any other part of our lives, it's going to be amplified in the bedroom. And so just bringing in these little practices are really helpful.
5: I think I'm such a good communicator. That's how I kind of identify in my mind, you know, in the bedroom. And the other night I was with someone and we were just sitting in his car and he put on hand sanitizer and while we were sitting there talking to each other and i was like that's weird um
4: <laughs> <laughs>
5: and then shortly after that he's going down on me while i'm in i mean the car was not set up for this but somehow he made it happen he was determined and then he put his fingers inside me and i i wasn't able to just say i was so distracted by it. even if you put on that super dank Dr. Bronner's hand sanitizer I There could be dirt and all kinds of funk and whatever on your hands, and it was taking me totally out of the situation, and I just wasn't able to say, hey, could you—I know you put hand sanitizer on, but— because you still just not have your fingers at me right now. I just didn't know how to say it. So I love I love that you're giving us this practice.
2: Yeah, that's such a good example. And and that that one in particular, because I think what happens is a lot of times when we're in the moment, sexually the energy is ramped up and we're moving so quickly, often quicker than our minds can figure out the words to say. Um, which is why I recommend having these conversations before you start to engage sexually especially if they're things that, you know, sometimes you don't know till it's happening. And that's hard because then you sometimes just have to revisit it. Um, but if there are things you know about yourself, like you don't really like to have your breast touched or you really need eye contact before anything else gets touched or, you know, these little things, these are things we can give our partner that can really enhance an experience.
4: And so you meant when you say go back, you mean like it happened and then you realize, oh, I didn't really like that. And then go and say, hey, by the way. Yeah, okay. because you can you so can do you retroactive there you go. course correction. yeah."
2: <laughs> where, and that's hard
4: to do sometimes. Like you're scared to do it or you're like,
2: eh, it didn't matter. Yeah. It, it's okay. Yeah. And that's the big takeaway about a lot of this. And even in the relationship is so special because it is these, it's a special container we create with another person where we practice things that might be unsafe to do anywhere else in life. Like if you can't do it with your partner, then you know, where else can you do it? So it's it's a it's important to actually start looking at where are those edges in your partnership where you're where you can lean in a little bit to sharing a little bit more vulnerably, to asking for something a little bit more daring. Because it's not even just good for your partner, it just becomes a place where you can practice expressing those parts of yourself you may not get to express anywhere else in life. So
1: yeah. So we could probably talk to you about this for so much longer and What I want to leave our listeners with is an exercise that they can do with their partner. Um, So if you could lead us in something, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah. So one of the things that, you know, I was talking about the fears and desires. And one of the things I always recommend before you dive into any kind of practice, tantric practice as a a partnership at all, is you connect with yourself. You always Mm -hmm. connect with yourself first. So Like we did before earlier, that breath where you can close your eyes for a moment. You can sip your inhale in through your lips like you're sipping it through a straw down into your belly. And you can exhale with a ha, like you're fogging a window. And as you do this, sipping the breath in and down to the belly, exhaling with a ha, feel the sensation of the breath as it travels down through your body. And when you exhale, really let the tension of your day begin to go with a ha. This is especially important if there's buildup with your partner. So if you're holding on to some kind of resentment about them, something you haven't talked about yet, use your exhales to start letting it go. The actual physical tension in your body, okay, around it. Then when you are I've spent a couple of moments, I would say at least two breathing like this. You're going to slowly open your eyes, come to, hopefully you're sitting across from your partner is what I recommend so that you're facing each other face to face and you would breathe together first with your eyes closed. And then you're going to slowly open your eyes and make eye contact without saying anything for at least 30 seconds, at least 30 seconds. The first instinct is probably going to be to laugh or to look away or something crazy. And and this might surprise you, especially if you've been with someone for a while and you still are feeling a little shy. But this is because we're human and this is what happens. There are things we don't want to be seen. And it's very vulnerable when we start to make eye contact with silence because we get to feel what's actually in the space with each other. So that's where you start. And then from that place, I recommend you could go into that fears and desires practices where you have one person that's giving, who's going to be the first person to speak and the other person that's the listener. And so the first person who's talking would basically feel into your body, feel into yourself. You want to try to stay out of your head. You want to stay connected to your breath during this process. And you would begin to share, I'm I'm afraid of, and what I'm afraid of in sex is. What I'm afraid of in sex is that you expect me to climax, and I can't. What I'm afraid of in sex is that you want, me to go down on you, but I don't want to. What I'm afraid of in sex is that I'm supposed to look like a sexy vixen and I feel like an ugly heifer. <laughs> so whatever is true for you in that moment, you would speak your fears out into the space. This allows us to start to get rid of them because when they run and as a loop inside of our head, they stay real. Speaking them into space begins to get rid of them. And then you would switch to you would switch roles and your partner would give their fears. You become the listener. They get to tell you what they're afraid of in sex. Once you've done your fears, then you do the desires. And this can be even harder. You'd be surprised to really start to connect with what you desire. You know, what I desire in sex is for you to lay your body on top of me and breathe with me for a couple of minutes. Um, What I desire in sex is for you to enter me really slowly while making eye contact with me. Um, what I desire in sex is for you to whisper in my ear all the things you love about me. So, yeah. (laughs) I love that.
1: That's awesome. So this lays
2: a stage for both clearing some of the tensions that can block arousal in the lovemaking process, as well as beginning to lay the ground for what you might be able to give each other in your lovemaking session.
4: And I don't hear mentioning desires as now you have expectations to fulfill. Exactly.
2: The important thing about this practice is that neither partner responds to what the other partner has said. It's not about having a conversation about the information that gets shared. It's just about listening and taking it in. So there should be no opinions or talk back after the person completes. And um and yeah, when you when we express the desires, it's with the understanding that no one is obligated to fulfill what's been said.
0: I'm so going to use all this.
2: Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Kamali, for coming on again. Thank you for making a difference, I can honestly say, in everyone's lives in this room and everyone listening. You gave us some incredible thought-provoking things to think about, and also some amazing exercises. As Tamiko said, I'm definitely going to be using them as well. Kamali is passionate about helping clients heal heartbreak, release body shame, and have more sensual, connected relationships. You can find her personal coaching or join her online women's sexuality program at www.spaceforlove.com and on Instagram at we are Spaceforlove.com, and she also mentioned in our last episode, she has a fantastic newsletter that comes out. You can sign up for her newsletter at her website as well. Pussy?
1: Pussy Pussy Pussy! Pussy, Pussy. Pussy Pussy Pussy
4: Pussy Pussy Pussy! Pussy Pussy!